The views expressed on the International Internet Strangers podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the United Kingdom, the United States, their respective societies for the prevention of cruelty to animals, or postal services. Hey, this episode is brought to us by Products. Do you have something missing in your life? Try filling that hole with Products. All right, everybody, welcome to the International Internet Strangers podcast, the only podcast on the internet right now where you can tell the hosts apart just by their voice. Uh, I am Damon. And I am Zen. And uh, just a a quick little one here. Uh, This morning as we record is Halloween, uh, and I wanted to have just a, a little horror movie chat. Um, I do have a, a small bit of business before, before we jump on into that though. Uh, the song that I referenced, uh, with the, the scratching, uh, and the, I don't lose from, oh, yeah. Black, I found it. No way. Go on then. Yeah. What is it? All right. So it is, uh, ping pong song by Optimus Rhyme, but it's the bad speller remix. Uh, and it's just here in the outro. Can you hear that okay? Yeah. Okay. That's mad. That How it. on earth did you find that? Uh, well, my, my first attempt, uh, I... There's a, a website called Who Sampled, mm. uh, and if you you can search by what the the sample is, or if if you heard a song, you're like, what's that sample they use? You can search that song. Mm. Um, they're pretty strict on the ad blocker, uh, so if you're going to use it, remember that. Maybe just I, I use the the Google app instead of a, a browser, and that usually works okay. So that was the first thing I did. Uh, they didn't have it. Which is wild because they've got some obscure stuff. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, actually, while we were talking in the last episode, I, I came up with it. I was like, oh, I know. Okay, yeah, that's right. Because I've done it before with that specific one, mm. and I, I think I just remembered what it what, uh, the last time that I'd gone through that whole thing. <laughs> wow, I'm very happy for you. There's nothing like having an earworm that you can't figure out. Oh uh, yeah. So Halloween, yeah, and yeah, we took uh, took the little guy out trick or treating last night because, uh, at least in Utah, when Halloween's on a Sunday, that means Halloween's on a Saturday. Mm. Um, so some of the businesses down on Main Street had a little thing. Um, Katie took him down there while I was at work, and then we just went kind of around the neighborhood for not being quite too. He's he got the hang of it by the end there. <laughs> Did he have a costume? Uh, yeah, we. So last year, what we did is we got him a little, uh, like pajamas, like Toby from Labyrinth, mm-hmm. little red and so. white stripes. And I was like, "That's that's good enough. That's that's <laughs> perfect." Uh, Katie wanted this year to to find him uh, some kind of Ferris Bueller costume. Oh wow. Uh, Oh, we did. We did find one uh, at a at a store that was uh, Gizmo from Gremlins. 
but right now we don't want to spend that much money for kind of a one-time cheaply made thing yeah that's that's the only thing with the with kids costumes is yeah i mean they grow out of them the next year it's not like you can use it again i did see a really cool thing actually um there's an app and it's in america as well it's called olio I don't okay. know if you've heard of it, but they've, uh, I mean, obviously it's a bit late for this year, but <laughs> <laughs> they do uh, costume swaps and oh. costume loans and stuff because That's of the great. whole, you know, single use thing is trying to cut down on that. And, and they do things like if you accidentally order too much food or whatever, or you, you can just give it away to people in your neighborhood and they come and pick it up. Oh, nice. That's that's mm. good. Yeah. So what what we did end up getting, uh, something that will put them in more than just uh, for Halloween is it's like a poncho. <laughs> um, it's white and it's got like a, a little ghost face on the oh. front of it. So he's he was a little ghosty. That's and, very sweet. Yeah, and we'll we'll just put him in that. He's actually has a pair of kind of Halloweeny pajamas he's been wearing since like August of last year. They of all the things they fit still um they're black with like little spider webs on them no no i i went around my sisters and watched some uh horror films well a horror film and like we all got dressed up we had sweets by the door we put pumpkins out on the step not a single trick-or-treater very Uh, disappointing yeah that's no fun and we i mean katie and i we've had that most years um, cause just cause of the type of apartments we'd been in are mostly young families, no kids and not easily walkable, mm. I guess. But, uh, yeah, here it, it's definitely more of a neighborhood. A lot of kids coming around. Um, my mom set up, uh, they've, they've got a projector oh, and, wow. uh, showing on the, the garage door, uh, nightmare before Christmas. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell uh, Warner Brothers or whoever it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Disney, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably Disney. Chances are at some point it gets around to Disney. Uh, So so what did y'all watch? Uh, It was a Korean film called The Wailing. Hmm. Very strange, kind of... uh... I'm not even sure I I understand what was going on, to be honest. (laughs) But they were like, you know ghosts and demons and all sorts of things i think it was pretty racist to be honest um against uh japanese people which is a bit awkward um but yeah it was interesting it was definitely interesting interesting (laughs) yeah i i know i know korea's got like a uh uh lauded horror uh it's it's you know they're they're one of the standouts in the the horror field, but mm. I I'm trying to remember what I what I've seen. I mean, I've seen the host. The host was good. Yeah. Um. And if you want to call parasite horror, I I wouldn't really blame you if it's not supernatural at all. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I don't know. I don't thrillery. even know what genre that would be, really. Yeah. And I saw Juan the Grudge. Yeah. Which I didn't get really. Like it didn't hit me. Mm. Oh, and I'll be honest, I like the American version of The Ring better than I like Ringu. Really? That's yeah. controversial. 
yeah, I mean, PG-13 horror, right? It's it's not yeah, sure. a well-respected uh, corner of the thing. But as I got a late, late start with horror, mm. with actually watching horror movies, because I was, because a couple of reasons. One, I was, I, I feel like I was a pretty easily frightened kid. Mm. Not like scared of a lot of stuff, but uh, one house we lived in, there was a, it was a house split into two apartments and we lived in the, the basement. Mm. Um, eventually we, we got the, the top as, as well, but the, the stairs to the basement were very narrow and mm. the light switch wasn't right at the top. You had to go down a few stairs to get to it. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Didn't care for that. Um, and mm. the, the other thing is not watching R rated movies for, you know, a good, long chunk of my life so that's most of your classics uh horror out there but uh yeah the so the ring uh in college pg-13 horror um one of the few times i actually went out to the to the theater that first year of college it it was it was it was very effective i mean it was probably the oh there has to have been something else but significantly the only horror i'd seen since the sixth sense mm. which again genuinely frightened me <laughs> gave me because i mean yeah i i kind of write write it off a bit these days because once you know the twist you know the twist but yeah it's it's hard to remember the first time you watched it and and how it was actually really good you know sixth sense yeah yeah oh yeah yeah it well, here, here's the, here's the thing: is I knew the twist going in. Oh. I I was on this weird kick of like avoiding various popular things, just because I I don't know, maybe it made it easier on me uh, to not burden myself with knowing what was current. I don't know. I was twelve <laughs> or whatever. Uh, I was I guess thirteen, fourteen. Mm. Um, but yeah, it came out. It was this big thing. Everyone was like, "Oh, there's a twist. Oh, there's a twist." And uh somebody wanted to use in sunday school of all places somebody wanted to use it as a an example or a reference or something like oh hey has everybody seen it and i said no but don't worry i probably won't go ahead so i knew (laughs) what the twist was like four months before i actually saw the movie uh but we that seems like a shame because that that not knowing that when the reveal comes is uh I mean, that's the whole point of the film, isn't it? What's amazing is I forgot during the course of the film. I forgot that I knew that. And like it it comes up. I'm like, oh, yeah, Ryan Vasso said that. I remember that. (laughs) But but yeah, just like eerie and eerie in the mundane, like very possible places for these frightening things to to happen. Mm. And our family had just moved to uh, to Lake and Heath to England. And we were staying at this house for like a week or so. So unfamiliar house, stairway with a lamp at the top of the stairs. It was, it was a, that, that really amped up like the experience afterward, having Mm. this kind of eerie house to go, go back to, or a house that was able to absorb the eeriness of the (laughs) the film. It was a perfectly pleasant little house, but you know, just unfamiliar and, yeah, yeah. Lamp at the top of the stairs. That was. So, were you were you like forbidden from watching 
R-rated films, or was it just you were just kind of avoiding them? Um, I self-imposed a lot of that. There is yeah. like a, a church. Um, it's not like a, a hard, fast rule, but uh, has been like an advisement against. So mm. culturally, um, not watching R-rated films is a, a, a big like Mormon signifier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it wasn't always like enforced in the house. Like I was like 10 and uh, my parents borrowed the movie Speed from a mm. neighbor. And my mom was like, this is amazing. She's like, you know, a lot of times I put on a movie during the day, I go do laundry and it just is kind of running, but I would pause it anytime I had to leave the room. So, and I loved Speed. We watched it a bunch of times. I think we owned it for a while. And it wasn't until a few years later I, I rewatched it. I was like, man, they say fucking awful lot in this movie for <laughs> something I, I was 10 and enjoying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I just I just kind of adopted it. And then again, it was like not having to worry about big swaths of popular culture mm. um, for whatever reason I was doing that. Uh, yeah. And also, so... Um, uh so here's, here's the problem with me doing these records so early in the morning. I don't know where I was going. Uh, here, let's do this. Uh, so what is like the first genuinely frightening thing you remember seeing in a, a movie or, or TV? What's something like that really spooked you out real young? So I've got two and I can't place which one happened first or which one I saw first. But. Jaws, I saw when I was way too young. Like, T- we're Taylor's talking old like, as time that everybody saw yeah. Jaws too young. Like three or four or something. Oh, like wow. very young, you know. Yeah. I, I doubt I even saw the whole film. I probably just saw a bit of it. Sure. But um, yeah, I was then. No, do you know what? I must have been about five, actually, because we went on holiday to Greece. Oh, wow. And, uh, That's tiny. We had. Yeah, we had this little inflatable dinghy thing, and uh, my my dad. Sw- I, I'm going off on a tangent here, but my dad swam out uh, with me and my sister in the dinghy, and then he swam back to the beach to take a picture of us in the dinghy. It probably wasn't very far at oh, all, sure. like, but in my mind, we were like stranded in the middle of the ocean, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I just I was convinced that there were like sharks circling this dinghy. And uh, I was completely traumatized by it. <laughs> and, and probably just like crystal blue water, you could definitely tell if yeah. there were, uh, probably. This is, this I is probably could have stood up in it as a five-year-old, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> but um, even so. Yeah, so Jaws made me terrified of water, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think is an experience that a lot of people have had. Oh, yeah. Um, but also Tremors. Oh, have sure. Have you seen Tremors? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I had a very overactive imagination, but um, I had a very, very small bedroom when I was growing up. And my dad built me this kind of like bunk bed kind of thing to, to save space. So okay. I had like, oh, like all my stuff underneath oh, it. Oh, yeah, like you a, know. a loft sort of. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and I would imagine that there were like monsters on the floor Ooh. and i couldn't get down off the bed yeah because of tremors oh, that's funny so, yeah tre- mm. tremors was very popular with my peer group i never sat down with it i've, I've seen like little bits and stuff but 
I, I imagine it's one of those ones that you would watch now and it would not have aged very well. Yeah, kind of the opposite of Jaws because I didn't see Jaws till I was like 27, 28. Yeah. I loved it. It was amazing. There's a reason. I watched it like a know, couple of Jaws. weeks ago. It's um still stands the test of time. Yeah. I've got friends who watch it every 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's a 4th of July tradition. Um, yeah, for me, it was... Uh, the it miniseries oh the, with, um, with tim curry tim curry yeah I, I didn't watch the whole thing i think my my mom was watching it and i kind of came in the room while it was on and there's a scene where uh bev is in the the bathroom and there's a balloon that comes up out of the drain mm. like a red balloon and it fills up and it bursts and it's full of blood mm. and i was like okay well i'm gonna leave this room right now i'm gonna <laughs> let that play out however it's gonna that just and i don't know it's a, it's a balloon and it's full of a, a red liquid i guess it's not that threatening but it spooked me right out mm. um, i mean it's just sinister isn't it it's yeah. not like you're in danger of <laughs> of the balloon it's just like and at a, that at a, is weird at and scary age, the drain is already kind of like you're getting over this fear of the drain it's not always like a huge one, but you're like, there's, there's something about that. The water goes there, but <laughs> what is it doing? You mm. know, there was that. And then the the other one, it wasn't, I don't remember it being frightening at the time, but it showed up again in a nightmare that I had. Mm. There are like four or five nightmares the, that I had as a kid that I still kind of remember. Um, and in the never ending story. The nothing. You'd think, you'd think the nothing or the wolf uh, I forget what, what he's called. Oh. Yeah, the, the wolf is the nothing. Oh, is he the nothing? Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's 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 been a while, but that's but that wasn't it. It was um this I think he's the no the snail racer was Deep Roy, right? That was from Never Ending Story Two. Okay. It's it's it he's a guy who hangs out with the rock biter, one of that crew. He's got kind of a, a goblin-y sort of face, long nose, pointy chin. Hmm. I'm pretty sure the rock biter and the snail racer are from Never Ending Story 2 rather than 1. Uh, no, I, I, I No, they are definitely in the first one because I don't remember that much from 2, but I remember these guys really well. Uh, um, oh, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, rock yeah. Rock biter. The it's funny the things that you remember. Butter. <laughs> Biter. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Goblin Guy, he's got like the big, big ears, kind of black hair up. And, uh, oh, wow. I forget that uh, Never Ending Story is based on. Is, is it a German book? I think so. Uh, so I just looked up the Rockbiter because I don't know the other one's name. Um, mm. It's Rockbiter uh, slash Pjorn Krakchark. <laughs> P-Y-O-R-N-K-R-A-C-H-Z-A-R-K. I mean, that sounds like Polish to me rather yeah. than German. I thought the story was, like... was German, but that does sound very Polish. Yeah. Uh, Gamork the Wolf Guy, Falcor, Tinui, Nighthob. That's the guy. Nighthob, I'm gonna have and to Google. He, he's honestly not. Oh, he yeah, he he's got the bat that he flies. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. He's pretty scary. Yeah, he's much worse than the the one in my head, honestly. Hmm. But yeah, just this nightmare. It was kind of associated with a Star Trek film that I had seen very young as well. In that dream way that things are connected. But he had like yeah. a little yellow parasite on his tongue, and that's that's what I remember from the. Ooh. Yeah, it was it was a pretty gross, <laughs> pretty gross little dream. It's it's funny that you mentioned never ending story and nightmares because i like a lot of people had the nightmare about the wolf's head in the yeah. in the darkness um and it was kind of a recurring nightmare that i'd have when i was a little kid like you know there'd be this wolf's face at the end of the garden yeah. and no one would believe me you know that kind of stuff and it's so it's such an effective scene and watching mm. it again as an adult you see like oh well they they didn't even have to build the whole puppet they only had to do the face and work well with shadows, but it's it worked really well. Truly effective. Mm. Um, I hate this. I'm looking at the clock. I do have to, to head off to work. Uh, yep. Listeners, we're going to talk more horror movies later. I'm, I'm not going to let this slide by uh, just at this. Yeah, I think so. we, we, we went off on a bit of a tangent about uh, <laughs> Neverending never Story, but yes, I'm all about horror films. Yeah. Let's do it. I've, the other notes I've got on this page. I can't find the notebook I had been using, but is any of that coming through? That's just... Uh, oh, there we, ah, go. there we go. Oh, nice. Whoa. So the, the guy over there, that was... Uh, I was writing the, the liner notes for a, a mixtape for uh, one of my nieces, mm. and it had uh, Paranoid by Black Sabbath on there. And so I got kind of looking into the Black, Sab Black Sabbath discography. Because I was going to say something just about like, oh, you only need the Aussie albums and then give maybe a mention to Ronnie James Dio. But then I like, for, I got into my head the, the metaphor of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream from, I think, Daniel chapter two, where he saw a, a statue with a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, legs and belly of bronze, uh, or thighs, thighs of bronze, legs of iron, and feet of clay and iron, and it's supposed to represent, you know, like the Babylonians, the Medes, and the Persians, and whatever Daniel told him. But I was like, oh yeah, it's like uh, you know, the head of gold is the self-titled and paranoid and masters of the universe and uh, or master of reality, sorry, and, <laughs> and volume four, and then the chest and arms of silver is sabotage and technical ecstasy and. Uh, like the last three Aussie albums and the two Dio albums. And then, and uh, I think the metaphor kind of broke down eventually because <laughs> the real feet of clay is, is the one album that was uh, contractually had to be released as Tony Iommi featuring black Sabbath. Oh, wow. Okay. It, it was meant it's, it was meant to be his solo album, hmm. um, but contractually it had to be a black Sabbath album. So he's the only, member of uh black sabbath like original lineup he's the only member on there the singer is only on that album it's not like one of like two or three sabbath albums he did yeah so oh wow so no black black sabbath is a bit a bit of a blank spot in my uh musical knowledge so <laughs> yeah that's oh, that's that's, uh... that's fair i i mean for a long time 
it was for me as well. Like obviously, you know, Paranoid and War Pigs and Iron Man. Yeah. Um, Sweet Leaf, if you're nasty. But uh, yeah, a few few years ago at the library, they had War Pigs on vinyl. Mm. I was like, that's a good way to experience that album. And I, I, I took it home and I get, like, I got it. Like you sit down, you put on the record, you listen to both sides. Like I get this, I get this now. Hmm. Um, and yeah, then I, I think there of, is something to be said of, of listening to albums of that era on vinyl. Cause yeah. the, the way that the, the tracks are laid out. So you've kind of got part one and part two. You don't really get that if you're listening on Spotify or whatever. Yeah, and uh, especially with older albums that have been deemed, you know, classic, you've also usually uh, got a lot of bonus material. Mm. So instead of like the eight or nine songs originally put out on the record, you've got like 15 tracks and all of a sudden it's live and you're not expecting it. I, you you kind of get that with the, the Bowie re-releases uh, as well. Yeah. Like Station to Station uh, has... I mean, it's only six songs, right? Uh, Station to Station, TVC 15, Wild as the Wind, Word on a Wing, and Stay. I think. Uh, yes. I th- golden Years, maybe? Am I missing Golden Years? Oh, I feel like I should know this. I'm, I'm feeling very uh, <laughs> inadequate. <laughs> no, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm, that's, I, that's I think, fair. like I said last time... Um, I got loads of Bowie albums at once and yeah. I'm just, I, I, I blitzed them and listened to them all and it's, it's ruined my, my recollection of which songs are on which and yeah, you're um, right. Wow. That, that was impressive. Six um, tracks. Yep. And that, but then the live, but then the, the CD re-release has two live ones on it. It's mm-hmm. got stay and one of the W's word on a wing or Wild as the Wind. Mm. I kind of mix those two up sometimes. <laughs> but but yeah, so you don't, it's a different experience. Mm, um, yeah. Go back, Black Sabbath. And I've since gotten a couple other Black Sabbath albums from the from the library just on, on CD. And I'm like, I get, I get this. I don't need to listen to Black Sabbath all the time, but like, I get it. The new mm. album, I mean, new is 2013. It's almost 10 years ago, but their final <laughs> Black Sabbath album with, almost the whole original lineup. Mm. Um, Bill Ward is the drummer. I want to say didn't come back for whatever reason. And it's, it's funny. I was joking about uh, the Rolling Stones going out on tour with Brad Wilk from rage against the machine, just like an unnecessary drummer. Brad Wilk plays drums on that last uh, black Sabbath album. Gets about, doesn't he? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, fair enough. You've got these opportunities to play with these, legendary bands you do it right you know right. and you know rage against the machine indefinite hiatus audio slave obviously no longer yeah. gonna be doing work so you, you take the gigs for sure yeah i i had the dubious uh, <laughs> pleasure of seeing ozzy osbourne and kelly osbourne when they released that really terrible cover what is it a cover? Oh, wow. version of uh changes <laughs> oh I, yeah, I, w- I went to go I, and see um, a live recording of Top of the Pops back in the day when Top of the Pops was oh, still a thing. Wow! And uh, yeah, it was it was bad. <laughs> and now is that? See, I didn't know they did that 
together, but is that the one that Eminem samples? Ooh. Because what, so this all comes back to the Netflix animated series, Big Mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because before, before that, the only version of Changes I knew was Ozzy singing it, I think, on the Eminem track. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't remember what Eminem song even it, even it was. Hmm. No, that doesn't ring a bell. Huh. But it, it is that same song, right? Yeah, the yeah. It's, it's the same as the, the Charles Bradley one uh, that's on Big Mouth, yeah. I'm trying to see, see what year that to... was. 2004, maybe? No, that can't that, be right. That, I don't know. It seems like the era for Ozzy and Kelly to put something out together. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe like between 2001, 2004 is, would be my guess. Yeah, that, that kind of chimes. And uh, the, the other people I saw, it was Kings of Leon and some really terrible kind of vaguely R&B hip hop group. <laughs> big brothers or big brothers i don't know they were i mean no offense to them if if they're still out there making music but they were pretty bad that's see, that's, <laughs> that's one of the the things i think about sometimes like i was listening or watching the music video even for uh, the song too close by next okay. which is my favorite 90s r&b um, dance groove because it's a song about dancing too close to your girl and and getting a little stiff and poking her with it <laughs> like the it li- li- literally contains the lyric feel a little poke coming through wow like it's amazing but i was watching this the music video for it and i was like look at these three or four young men they're maybe 21 when they did this hmm. they've gotten jobs since then they sell cars or insurance or they're mid-level managers somewhere. Yeah. Or they stayed in music. I don't know. But this is part of their life story. This particular song about middle school dances. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's something to, to, you know, tell people down the pub or something. Or tell your grandkids about, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> God, imagine having to explain that one. There was a documentary, I mean, it must have been quite a long time ago now, um, about East 17. Do you remember them? Did they ever make their way over the pond? I don't think so. They were kind of the same same era as Take That, who I think... Okay. Like So between New Kids on the Block and Backstreet Boys, that, that feels like the Take That era. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But there was, there was a documentary about them, yeah, God, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe, looking at what they're all doing now one of them still you know he writes music for for pop stars and one, one of them uh is a locksmith so, there you go. <laughs> yeah you know, yeah got, got to pay you, the you bills your passions. Yeah. yeah um oh i i I actually meant I wanted to talk about this last time we were recording I watched uh Netflix has this series called this is pop like mm. little 45 minute documentaries uh, there's one about auto tune, which paints T Pain in a very sympathetic light. Like it's amazing how differently I think of T Pain now than I did before. Uh, and there's one about Swedish pop songwriters. Okay. Um, like starting with ABBA all the way through. Like there's a uh, like a group that's still writing amazing pop. Like most of the InSync and Backstreet Boys songs, 
uh, Swedish. Wow. Which is why I want it that way. So vague. Because <laughs> okay. the Swedes did not care about writing a story. They, they got a melody and they put some words in it and it became unstoppable. I love it. That's fantastic. But I, I watched the, the Britpop episode mm. recently and I, I understand a lot more, I think, now. Um, for one, Oasis was not Britpop. They were, I, and I think Noel says this at some point. He says a lot of things, obviously, but he says, like, we're, we're, we're not part of this. We're a rock and roll band. Mm -hmm. And what I think I've realized with Oasis, especially if we want to, you know, drag Blur into it, Oasis versus Blur, Blur, or no, it's Oasis was magic, not necessarily skill and hard work but a lightning bolt of talent mm. that carried them through three amazing albums but then when it came down to okay we still have to do this it kind of fizzled a little bit um because there was no hard work necessarily mm. uh there's a, a oasis documentary called supersonic and it so many times where uh, like, oh, we need a song. And then Noel comes back from a bathroom break and he's like, okay, well, I've written Champagne Supernova or whatever. <laughs> and it's just like, kaboom. And it, it, it it's no, it, there's no need for a work ethic. Yeah. And you get to be drunken louts all the time. And, and that's, that's, but it's like, bam, and that's it. Mm. Where Blur, we're serious musicians. Yeah. And I think that's why Damon Albarn has continued to have the career he has had post blur mm. um, where, but uh, I mean, also what is it? Alex is it a, a Alex cheese James. maker now? Yeah. 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 And he runs a um, sort of music food festival called the big feast. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's like a, a farmer basically. Yeah. Uh, and then, and one of the, one of the other fellas is a, is he a member of parliament or he's, he's politically involved somehow? Oh, wow. I'm not sure. Yeah. But the other thing that I, I really got from that uh, Britpop episode, like it helped me understand, because I've always had a, a kind of fascination with songs that, uh, or with artists that show up on the UK charts mm. three or four times where they only had like the one hit in the US. Um, and, and the way they described uh, how a lot of these Britpop groups uh lush and um i forget the the other ones that, that they mentioned but they were all playing the same clubs yeah it's like oh yeah it is a geographically small country with a huge influential population mm. and so you know where in the u.s yeah you, you do have like scenes that pop up in new york and, and los angeles and then kind of filter out throughout the country it's it, everything spreads out so much mm. where there there's always music in london yeah it's always in london um and you get you know like manchester had a, had a good scene in the 90s and, and stuff came up from there but you can but it's all right there mm. and yeah that i don't know if i'm explaining what what hit me very well but that was like, oh it's it's just it's like it's all right there. It's so small. You, you can't necessarily leave um, 
like you're always going to be, oh, it's it's her from Elastica. Look at that. Yeah. Where where I think in Los Angeles or New York, you can kind of fade into to whatever else is happening um, and not have to continue to be that. Um, and you can get picked up even earlier. I think maybe that's part of what it, what it was, is like you can be a band for four months mm. and get signed and have your first album out and not be forgotten by the next one. I don't, I don't know. It made sense watching the <laughs> watching the episode. Yeah, I, I think I get what you're saying. Like, you know, talking about London specifically, you know, there were there were areas that you know the cool people lived in, and and uh-huh. you know, like there were certain pubs in Camden, for example, where depending what year you were you were drinking in there, you might run into like. Jarvis Cocker, Amy Winehouse, you know, because they all yeah. they all hung out in the same places, and it was quite geographical. Mm. And I think w- what that can do is it can make a, an artist or a band mean more to you, be more your own. Mm. Where you know, say like here in Utah, Utah loves Imagine Dragons, Neon Trees, The Killers, because those are either Utah bands or bands with big connections to Utah. Mm. Um, and I, I'm pretty, I, I should look up the, the dimensions, but Utah is about the same size as Great Britain. So, you know, having that geographic connection to a group, mm. I, I feel like we're more likely to listen to like a new Aquabats record yeah. than someone in Iowa or, or Seattle or, or England. So having these bands like, Oh yeah, they're from this neighborhood or whatever. Like it keeps them top of mind more. It's, it's more of a connection, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's an element of that definitely, but you know, like you say, equally, we are so small, you know, when, when a band does like a UK tour, it's really easy to see multiple shows. Like I could, that's true too. I could yeah. see a show in Brighton. I could be in London in an hour and a half and see the London show as well. You know, I could jump in the car and go wherever. It's uh, yeah. I, I remember having having a choice when uh, a band I wanted to see was coming. Like, oh, do we want to go up to Birmingham? We want to go to Nottingham and see them. Yeah, it that that's definitely a thing where. Uh, you know, you US tour, you, you do the best you can. Yeah, yeah. It's you can't like if you're really devoted, you can go to Denver and Salt Lake and maybe Las Vegas, mm. but that's eight hours of driving each time. That's the thing that always kind of blows my mind. I think because the UK is so small comparatively, it makes us incredibly lazy in some ways. Like, <laughs> you know, when I when I lived in. Um, in Brighton, uh, it, it's it's almost comparable to London prices for for, for living costs. So I ended up moving uh-huh. out a bit, you know, like twenty minutes on the bus or something, which yeah. is nothing really. But to, <laughs> to people who lived in Central Brighton, it was like, oh yeah, it's twenty minutes, so it's really far. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, when I talked to you and like other friends in in America, well, when I went to go and visit my friend in Florida, it's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna pop over and see my friend, and it was like two three hours away. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's it's a different yeah. mindset, isn't it? 
Yeah, and over here, and it's all driving here too. Mm-hmm. There's no like, oh, we'll get, just get on the train. Mm-hmm. When, when we were there, uh, Lake and Heath is in what Suffolk. Yes. Yeah. It, it was very. It felt to me very easy to drive from Lake and Heath, I think, to Ely. Yeah. Get on the train in Ely, and be in London in less than two hours. Mm-hmm. To be in one of the major metropolitan centers in the world. Less than two hours, real easy. Yeah, it was, and uh, yeah, and just having the trains available. We do. We moan a lot about our public transport, but it it's not that bad. It's it's pretty decent, and it's there. Yeah, which we don't we don't really have. Like, if I wanted to take the train just to Salt Lake, mm-hmm. I would have to drive know, fifteen minutes up to Provo, mm-hmm. and then get on the train, and then it's you know another hour or so to to actually get up to the city kind of defeats the point doesn't it yeah it's you know it saves you gas money and uh you know you don't have to drive back which is which is pretty nice if you're going out to a show that might be going pretty late you don't have to stay awake on the trip trip back down yeah but then you have to wake back up because you get back to the provo station you get out to your car you still have to drive back home Mm. so Talking of uh, Lake and Heath, I I drove past there the other day because I went to go and visit my parents. I was just uh, like, because obviously the walls are very high because it's a military installation. But as I was driving past, I saw like the um, the sort of playground with the with the um, little pavilion in it. It just made me think of. uh, I'm pretty sure you sent me a photo of you and your friends playing. Could well be, yeah. Like. That that seems that seems very possible. Yeah. But yeah, I I wonder. It's funny. I wonder how much I would even recognize it now. Mm-hmm. Gosh, almost twenty years later, because because I left uh, last time I was there was two thousand three, summer two thousand three, and so I'm sure they kept doing more and more like security things. Yeah, yeah. After nine eleven, because before that. Um, I was on base housing, but you didn't have to show ID to get to where I lived. Wow. Um, but then they put up, uh, but to get to the base proper, once you got over there, you had to, hmm. but they moved that out. Um, so that even sooner you had to, they had to stop the security check. Um, and so now, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then, you know, obviously old buildings yeah. are going to get torn down. I don't know if the high school is even there anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I did. I did come across. Uh, I was scrolling through Instagram, and the uh, the the flying saucer McDonald's from Huntingdon. Yeah, that that showed up on on some account that I follow. There, like, look at this crazy thing. I was like, I, that was my that was my McDonald's <laughs> for like two years. That was great. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, that's all changed. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, even when I was there last, I think the. Is it was a, I think it was a restaurant called Megatron before that. Um, I wasn't I wasn't there for that, but I think that's what it was, and that's that's gone now, mm. which is a bummer because it's such a weird thing. <laughs> um, I, I feel like anything that breaks up the McDonald's uh, homogeny mm-hmm. is a is a great thing. Like weird, um, like there are towns where they've got like color requirements for for new businesses. So they don't have red and gold. They have to have like 
muted colors somehow. There, yeah, there, there's a, an Instagram account um, that's like off-brand or off-normal McDonald's. Okay. Let's see if I can find that and repost it somewhere. Brilliant. Um, I, 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 yeah, I'm not really aware of that, but like in London especially, there's so many KFC ripoffs, like chicken shops. Oh, yeah. Just tons and that's tons great. of them. So they've all got hilarious combinations of uh, acronyms and you know like AFC TFC <laughs> you know, all sorts no, I was listening to a, a podcast and they uh, mentioned that in Afghanistan there's Kabul fried chicken brilliant <laughs> yep um, alright should we get into to movies let's do it let's do it alright I love this um so you had proposed uh, a couple of categories, mm-hmm. um, and then we would bring our top picks in those categories. Let's get back here if I can. Uh, so what I've got, let, let me know if this sounds right, if this, if this is what you got. Mm-hmm. Uh, paranormal. Yep. Slasher. Mm-hmm. Uh, creature feature. Yep. And body horror. Yes. Okay. And then, if we feel comfortable with it, I think we can crown an overall. Ooh. But that is a tough call. Yeah. And I haven't prepared an answer for that, so <laughs> maybe we won't. Uh, all right, yeah, where, where do you want to start? Yeah, I think that is a good order to do it in. I mean, obviously, just for the listener, this is uh, this will be airing later in the year, but this has kind of come off the, the back of... We've just had Halloween. Um, yeah. The, the first part of this episode was recorded on Halloween. Yeah. Uh, it's now Veterans Day here in the US. I don't know if you want to make that connection somehow, but that's up to you, dear listener. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, yeah. I actually forgot uh, about that. Um, yeah. If, if, you've got, uh, if you've got some kind of connection you want to make, hit us up at IISpod on Twitter. IIS podcast on Instagram or internet strangers pod at gmail.com. I lost my notebook, but I remembered all the details. Very impressive. <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah, uh, paranormal to start then. Mm. Okay. So I couldn't commit to just having one answer. So <laughs> I've, I've got two answers for each category. One which is pre nineteen ninety six, and one which is post nineteen ninety six, which I consider. I, and I, I appreciate that divide. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I I like that. So it's kind of pre pre scream post scream. Exactly. That's 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 the logic that I was going with. So kind of before the postmodern kind of self referencing yeah. era. Um, yeah. Self-aware and not as much, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although there's a lot of early 2000s horror that might think it's self-aware. <laughs> but is not, yeah. No, yeah. All right, so uh, let, yeah, let's go early. What's your favorite pre-96 paranormal horror? Mm, this was really tough. This was really tough. But I settled on The Shining, which was 1980. Um which, of course, if you've not seen it, is essentially about a haunted slash possessed hotel. Um, 
and stars Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great choice. Have you read or seen uh, Doctor Sleep? No, actually, I haven't. Um, I think initially I was a bit. Uh, what's the word when you're just like, no, I don't want this, you know. I yeah. Oh, no, I, I know that feeling for sure. I didn't want to spoil yeah. The Shining, but... I get that, yeah. I am intrigued. So I I read The Shining before I saw it. Mm. Um, and I did both of these in my like late 20s. It's not that I was was a real, a real original on that, but... Um, so I, I hold the film less like fully sacred, uh, than a lot of people. Mm. Um, and, and kind of like with the knowledge that Stephen King did not like Kubrick's The Shining. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see why, honestly, it's a, it's a a very fine film. It's It's very different to the book though, isn't it? I, I actually, yeah. (laughs) Tripping over my words. I actually only read it recently and it's completely changed my understanding of the film and my appreciation of the film. And I can, I can see why Stephen King wasn't that keen on it because Kubrick basically did away with all the character development, you know? Um, Yeah. There's, there's a lot that was left out that I think does add to the story, but at the same time, it's an absolutely classic film and it's just so iconic. I think my, my favorite point that King made about it was that in, in his novel, he, he takes great pains to establish Jack as a, just a very normal, very sane person. Mm. But in, in the film, right away, you start seeing the cracks in yeah. it. Like he may have arrived there a little off and then the, the haunted, hauntedness of the place kind of took him. Well, there's, there's so um, much um, kind of backstory to him that really explains the struggles, you know, that uh, that he's going through recovery from alcoholism. Yeah. They don't really, not that I remember, talk about that in the film. I mean, you know, there's certainly yeah, the well, whole they definitely don't relationship with him. Talk about. Sorry, go on. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. In the film, I, if, if I remember, I know that he's dry when he gets there. Mm-hmm. He's not drinking when he gets there. And so the bartender is able to tempt him into it. Uh, but they, I don't think they address like how he like why he stopped drinking. Yes, that's a big Not deal. Not just like for work, but like he hurt his kid. Yeah. So it's like a very personal reason to to no longer be doing that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all that said, I, yeah, I still think it's a, it's a, it's an amazing movie. And actually um, years ago, I went to a colleague's birthday party and her great aunt was there and she worked on The Shining as a kind of, Oh, wow. special effects um whatever it would have been called then artist uh and she yeah. made I, I don't know if you remember in the film there's like the photo of of uh the oh yeah the 1913 new year yeah yeah and it's got jack nicholson yeah, yeah. in it she made that oh, yeah wow. she was a fascinating that's awesome. woman that's so cool. um and yeah, obviously, back in the day, it was a case of cutting out an, a photo of Jack Nicholson, and 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 yeah, yeah, that's great. I, I I can't remember her name, but it was one of those you know, get chatting to to someone at a party, and it's like, oh my god, you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, another another thing uh, in The Shining is 
it establishes a pattern of uh, Stephen King writes a story and there's a hammer and someone makes a film and that hammer becomes an axe. Yeah, it, it wasn't it actually a, a yeah, croquet the, mallet? A croquet yeah, mallet. although they yeah. called it something weird and I had to look up and see if it was the same thing as croquet. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that's I, I think I remember that. I, that happens a lot with Stephen King. I'm like, is he talking about something I, as a younger person, know by a different yeah. name? Um, but uh, And then when they did in, um, oh, it's like 96, they did a, a TV miniseries of The Shining. Did they? Uh, yeah, with, I want to say, Rob Morrow from uh, Northern Exposure wow. as the lead, as Jack. Uh, I caught a little bit of it on TV, just kind of channel surfing. Um, and what I remembered from that was, um, the, the croquet mm. mallet instead of an ax. I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and come to find out later, you know, uh, that that's more true to the, the story. Um, and then, yeah, let's see television miniseries. And then when they adapted misery, mm. which I haven't seen, but I have read, um, misery was, uh, uh, also a hammer mm. when it, uh, it is... spo- it, the movie's like 30 years old I, i'm okay spoiling <laughs> it when she hobbles um the the mm. author it's it's with a, a hammer which is far more gruesome mm. honestly more grisly i think than just using an axe um steven weber it was the oh, lead wow. oh hey look we've got uh, matching phone cases <laughs> oh hey nice <laughs> Um, what do I know him? Oh yeah, from Wings, Stephen Weber from Wings in The Shining, nineteen ninety seven. Wow, that's cool. Just one more thing um, I want to say on The Shining, and then we'll we'll go yeah. to your pick. Um, there is a local drag artist in Brighton called yes. uh, Oh come on, Brain Coco something. I'll double check, but she's amazing. And she does this really, she's obsessed with horror films. She does this really great uh-huh. um, skit of Shelley Duvall, but she's dressed as her in The Shining. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to awesome. find a clip of it and send it to you, but it's just, it's absurd and highly entertaining. <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, that reminds me of, uh, we went to a, a burlesque show mm. Um a few years ago and they they did a, a performance themed around planet of the apes wow <laughs> where yeah like the the first uh dancer came out with like a a, a helmet um, like a space helmet yeah. and then there were two others with the gorilla masks it was amazing like stripping down but keeping the gorilla masks on it was that was that was the proper weirdness I was hoping for from the show. Honestly, I didn't. I don't think I even knew I was hoping for it. But that was great. <laughs> it sounds amazing. I'm I'm kind of jealous that I've not seen that. <laughs> yeah, I it, it it felt like the sort of thing like again channel surfing you might stumble across late at night and like what mm. what am I watching? <laughs> Why am I? I'm not definitely not changing the channel. But what what is what? That was yeah. It was, it was wonderful. Amazing. Okay, uh, I think, so yeah, we mine, should move on to, to your pick. Okay, so was, Paranormal is kind of a tough, a tough one for me because it covers, I think, quite a mm-hmm. lot. Um, 
I remember the one of the last times I remember being genuinely frightened by a film was the first paranormal activity. Yeah. Uh, we set it up nice. We turned off all the lights, you know, nice and dark watching it late at night. And uh, afterward, we're like, okay, we need to wind down. We put on like season two of the American office. <laughs> like we had to, we had to watch something else before, before. So it was good, but I don't know how. Sorry. How well it's that's uh, how well it's held mm. up, you know. Yeah, I've not seen it for a while, um, but I, I I remember it being scary. It 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 was very different, wasn't it? That kind of um, yeah, because it it felt like a deserved found footage. Mm. You know, obviously we've been doing found footage since Blair Witch, but like Blair Witch made sense. I like how they did mm. it. Not everybody does it well, but I think Paranormal Activity, where it's all the security camera footage, I think that was great. Yeah, it, it just made sense um, in the context of the story. Like, it, it didn't feel too forced or gimmicky. Yeah, and it felt very subtle mm. in a way that wasn't like, oh, they can't do this, so they did this instead. Mm. Like, it, it felt very good. So so that was in the running Sixth Sense. Uh, we've spoken about, obviously, that uh, holds a place for mm. me. Uh, but I went with uh, the movie House. Oh, uh, I don't think I do. Not the one from the 80s, the Japanese one from 1977. Um, it's also called Haosu because it's Japanese. Yep. And it is the weirdest horror movie uh, that I've seen, possibly. Uh, so six teenage girls go on vacation it's it's summer vacation they go out to somebody's i want to say aunt's yeah. house and the house is haunted uh there's a cat person a person who turns into a cat there's a very strange scene involving bananas i have to see this uh, i've just googled it the yeah. artwork is amazing it it's truly truly one of the the funnest horror ghost story experiences uh, that I've had, I've I, I've only watched it a couple of times, but it yeah, House nineteen seventy seven. That's mine. That's uh, overall amazing. That that looks like that really classic horror, uh, like the the posters and the um. Oh yeah, that that poster is amazing with the the big big it's orange like a big cat demon cat. Yeah, this yeah. I'm adding this to my list of things that I need to see. Yeah, and the 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 girls all have like amazing names. Like one of them is called Gorgeous. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so good. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Mine. Uh, what's your what's your modern one? Oh, so um, it's a film that came out last year. It's called Host. Um, and it's okay. the 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 kind of premise is. You know, it's during the pandemic. It's a group of friends who are bored of doing online quizzes and things like that. So they arrange to do an online, um, like, session with a medium, with a kind of someone contacting spirits. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah. then it all goes wrong and it all gets very scary. But it's 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 all done through, like, the screen. So it's people, you know. Right. And they've they've tried that a couple of times. There's like a, a show, uh, one called Friend Re mm. Request, and there's one with I want to say Randall Park and his daughter's gone missing. Uh, 
Um, I haven't seen them, but th- but this one's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I went in with absolutely no expectations at all and was really pleasantly surprised. Um, I thought it was going to be super gimmicky and, and rubbish. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. And too soon. Exactly. So, so yeah. this was, um, I don't know what the kind of the deal was, was in America, but in the UK, the government said that we could do these support bubbles um, if, if you were a single person yeah. household. So I was in a bubble with a couple of friends and we kind of got into a habit of watching really terrible horror films every Friday night. Yes. <laughs> That's a good Yeah, Friday. and we were expecting this to be really bad, but no, I recommend it. I don't want to spoil it because I feel like it's it's new enough that people won't have seen it. But Yeah, and, the, and there are, there's at least one other movie called uh, The mm. Host, uh, Korean. Yeah, that one's... A monster movie, isn't it? Bong Joon Ho. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, it's um, it was his first yeah. big because it's mm. first big breakout and the same uh, lead lead from Parasite, right? Oh gosh, I can't remember. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been a while since I saw it, but yeah, yeah, that one. It, it's good. That's that's mm. well regarded. Um, I think I want to revisit that one. Actually, I think you could get more out of it now than I. Yeah, did then. definitely. Yeah, I mean. What did that come out like? Two thousand and eight or something? That feels like a yeah. yeah. It wow, that has actually been a <laughs> yeah, while yeah. Scary. All right. Uh, so yeah, so let's talk slashers. It is a oft maligned subgenre mm. of horror. Um, has a lot. Yeah, one, one way, one way or the other, it's either. It it, it seems like the most manufactured like like the easiest to kind of pump out easiest to parody yeah as well I, I think maybe part of my opinion is coming from you know like watching a tv show and in the show they've got a movie called like you know uh slumber party like that's a real yeah. one slumber party massacre four like that's genuine like i couldn't even think of a <laughs> fake one there's so many real ones so um but there's there's gems. What's your uh, what's your classic? Mm, well, I did think about going for the original Psycho. Um, oh yeah, the the first ever slasher film. But I actually went for something that has a a link to Psycho, um, which is Texas okay. Chainsaw Massacre, um, And the link is that they are both inspired by the real life. um... Uh, Ed Gein. Yeah. Ed Gein. um, Who I I just read a book about him, actually. I I always in my head thought that he was like a serial killer. But Mm -hmm. I think, well, this book implied that he actually only, well, only killed a couple of people. Um, but was a, a grave robber um, and just obsessed oh, yeah. with death and dead people. Um, but he made, you know, chairs out of human skin and drums and thing, awful things like that, you know, cereal bowls out of human skulls and things. But he inspired the book that inspired Psycho and obviously also inspired um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Leatherface and, and yeah. family, yeah. Um there was uh because I, I just recently listened to an episode of unspooled uh about texas mm. chainsaw and apparently there was another 
thing happening in Texas at that time while they were making the film or while mm. they were writing it at least um, where there was a, a guy who was kind of luring young men to his house. He had like two young men that worked for right. him and there was a, a young woman who had uh, like she had like a real crappy home life and she ended up kind of running away and she was friends with one of these uh, guys that was luring kids to, to mm. this killer and the 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 victims were all young men and the killer was very upset that he had brought this young woman and she ends up bringing the whole thing crashing down he killed like 20 wow. people and kind of might have got you know who knows how long he would have gotten on uh, the, the story is much more interesting it's it's a great episode of uh of mm. unspooled and that's a great little story within it um so mm. i uh actually also went with texas chainsaw <laughs> massacre 1974 it is it's it's hard to it's hard to front mm. on that one just um because you know, there's always a debate of uh, you know who did it first versus who did it better. But I think, at least as far as like modern, you know, and this is our classic yeah. era, but like modern horror, that horror that kicks yeah. it off very much. And, and I just think it's, it's it's they made it on such a tiny budget as well. It's it's really impressive what yeah, they managed less to than do. A million, yeah. I think. Yeah, and the. Uh, one of the conversations I enjoyed about it is how um, the the family, the cannibal mm. family, are a little sympathetic. Right. Like their they their house was entered into. They didn't yeah. go out. They they were imposed upon, and uh, how it's kind of like a metaphor for um, like working class. Uh, families because they had uh, you know careers in uh, in the slaughterhouses <laughs> and those jobs were taken away and here come these hippies in a van wow. preaching this uh, astrology and 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 free love and all that. It's, it's a perspective it's, I'd never considered. <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't either. It's it's yeah. great though, uh, and and the uh, and I think I said this uh, when we were talking mm -hmm. last time, but so effective so atmospheric mm. so little actual yeah. violence on screen it's all mm. it's all in your head um like i mentioned before to toby hooper wanted uh, thought he was going to get a pg yeah. rating that blew my mind when you said that that's my favorite thing it's it's really it's a scary film you know um even yeah. just there's a there's a scene where um Leatherface grabs Sally, or is the actress called Sally? The girl, anyway, and then yeah, pulls her through a door and just slams the door shut. And just that slamming the door, really, it's really frightening. Yeah. The, yeah. the force of it, yeah, yeah. Um, and the the final scene <clears throat> is so so effective. Leatherface seems so just sad, so pathetic, whooping and yeah. swinging his chainsaw around. I, I always oh, kind of wondered um, what we're meant to get from that scene. You know, is it his frustration? Is it just his complete madness? Um, yeah. But yeah, I because I, I, I feel I feel there's there's disappointment mm. in it. 
as well it's like he definitely frustration but like he he was out he had something to do and he he couldn't do it and he it feels like he's he's a little down on himself there i'm, I'm hearing a lot of uh sympathy and empathy for for leatherface slightly <laughs> concerning but... <laughs> uh, to be fair it's it's been a, it's been a fair step since i've watched it and i just heard mm. listen to that conversation where that was kind of one of the points they brought out um, talking in horror generally about uh, a lot of times um, it's innocent kids who have, uh, you know, come across the wrong thing uh, or something. It kind of kind of how it's a, li- a little different than your Friday the 13th and your, uh, oh man, Nightmare on Elm Street's an interesting situation as well because it's, the, if I mean again, if you look just at mm. the first one, it's the victim of a mob. Like he, he is a killer. He's not sympathetic, Fred Krueger. Uh, but he's out getting revenge because he was killed by a mob of parents who were upset. There, yeah. There's a lot of weird layers to that. That's also mm. a good episode of Unspooled. I just listened yeah, to this. Okay, week. I think I'm going to have to check this one out. But it's a uh, bit of a, a segue actually into my modern pick, which I think we've we've already. Uh, figured out is of course scream um Uh, but you know when uh when they're talking about the the rules of horror that there is kind of a bit of a trope that sometimes it's it's not just innocent kids they're being punished a little bit for transgressions so whether that's drinking or having sex yeah yeah um yeah so it's it's interesting what you were saying from that podcast of slight sympathy for the killer that in a way they're kind of carrying out some some justice or you know uh yeah well in friday the 13th that's uh, uh pamela Voorhees kind of yeah exactly son and i mean those kids didn't do anything wrong but other mm. kids had so so it's definitely not pamela fully in the right there she's she's not doing Hmm. the right thing but she has an understandable motive yeah i suppose um yeah scream had you seen uh west craven's new nightmare no because that was a couple years before scream and kind of that that was him trying to establish this sort of meta commentary because it's a about Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy mm. in the first film. So it's Heather playing Heather, who played Nancy, and dealing with kind of this whole like how Freddy Krueger became the star, which which is what happens when when these franchise out. You know, um, night uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two could be about Alice, but it's not. It's Freddy. Um, and it's Freddy the whole way through, mm. essentially. You, you can't have the, the actual hero, the, the survivor, the one who stopped the, the killing, really follow them. Yeah. I think the exception there being Hellraiser 2. Well, um, in, in, in Scream, Sydney is kind of the the consistent character. The, yeah. The through line. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, in uh, what I was saying, mm. in New Nightmare... That's that. That was his first real swing at uh, at commenting on the horror genre from within the horror oh. genre. 
because Heather's on a, a talk show and they're kind of talking about Freddy Krueger and the, the crowd starts chanting for wow. Freddy. Okay. And, and Freddy Krueger was there. I remember like in the, the 80s and 90s, he was kind of everywhere. There yeah, it's a, like a, a pop culture like icon, could, you know. Phone line and, y- yeah, yeah. Y- you know, I'm sure there's been like Simpsons references and, and all sorts of, you know, there's like a, obviously that's more recent, but like a Rick and Morty character that's basically. Yeah. Uh, sc- scary. Terry? Scary Gary. Yeah. Scary Terry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's kind of become a parody, isn't it? Um, but that kind of reflects reality in a way, doesn't it? I, I guess that's what he was trying to do, that people get really obsessed yeah. with serial killers, you know, the, the way that like Ted Bundy was idolized and there's, there's all these people who, uh, it's almost a lifestyle, isn't it? Being, being a, a true crime fan. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie. Like I am interested, obviously I said, I, you know, I just read this book about Ed Gein and I'm reading a book about um, Des Nelson, who was a, British serial killer at the moment. But yeah, some people take it to a whole nother level and like idolize these people. Yeah. Which is a bit weird. Yeah. The, there's a, a, an interesting cult mm. that can build up. Um, yeah. Yeah. This, oh, have you seen any of the, if we, we go back a second for Texas Chainsaw, have you seen any of the sequels? Uh, I've seen, yeah, I've seen the second one. Um, Which is, I, I, what I really know about the second one is the the poster that is Breakfast <laughs> Club style. So I'm like, well, obviously this one's a, a bit more lighthearted. Kind of is is that also kind of a play on the on the genre? Mm. Yeah, I guess so. I, I I know a lot less about the second one. I have seen it, but in terms of like trivia around how it was made, it does seem a lot more lighthearted. Definitely, like it's kind of mocking itself a little bit yeah that that's kind yeah. of the vibe i got right yeah i haven't I haven't seen any of the other ones i know mcconaughey's mm. in one no I've, I've not seen the new ones um texas chainsaw i think the next generation yeah. it might be called even <laughs> but i i'm i'm curious i like i've heard people say the 2003 remake was good but that was you know a young person in 2004 so Who's yeah. to say in, in in this year of 2021 if, if that opinion holds I, up? Again, I, I kind of avoided the remakes because I like the classic so much. But, uh, yeah. Understandable, especially with that one. It's like, because there's the motivations behind like sequels and remakes mm-hmm. and everything. Feels more like, well, obviously we've got this um, IP that people love outside of the film itself yeah. necessarily and so they've got the name recognition without necessarily knowing the film or what made mm. the film good so you're free kind of free to make a a, a gen- generic sort of chainsaw yeah. movie yeah that's it it's the hard work's done the um the legend has been built they can just go straight in there with the gratuitous yeah. <laughs> violence you know yeah it's and it's interesting when they kind of re kind of resurrect. It's my doorbell. Sorry, bear with me. Sorry. 
Hello. Hello. Sorry. It's the uh, up, upstairs neighbour who keeps getting locked out. Oh, mm. Awful. That's 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 the worst. Yeah. Um, what was I was saying. Oh, when they they resurrect a, a very niche old horror movie and and remake it, I was thinking about House of Wax. Yeah. Um, and I've I've never seen the Vincent Price one, but I, I did a few years ago watch the two thousand five. Mm. Was it? And it's kind of the dregs of 2000s horror where it's just no you can't have the uh, antagonist or the protagonists be likable at all because you know they're just going to get picked off and it seemed just like an excuse to do bad things to Paris Hilton. yeah yeah that that like it, it took a little too much pleasure in in oh Paris Hilton, she's gonna be awful character and then we're gonna treat her mm. very poorly and ugh, yeah, it yeah. doesn't sound great there was definitely a period where i don't know some producers or whoever makes these decisions just clearly went through the hammer horror back catalog and 70s yeah you know back catalog like oh we're get, we're gonna do the fog again last house on the, the left yeah My yeah yeah valentine last house on the left yeah. uh another west yeah. Um, all right, let's, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff in the slasher field. Have you seen, uh, I haven't seen it, but, uh, the town that dreaded sundown. No. So that one's from, from 76. So it's a few years before Halloween. Um, but that's also based on like actual events. It's got a, a killer wearing a hood. That's kind of the first time we, oh, right. we see that. Uh, and I think it, I think it might be classic, like hook hand murders, like, yeah, like yeah. the urban legends. Because from the title, but that, you'd that's think what I it's like mentioned. a vampire film or something. Yeah, yeah. but that's yeah, based on some some true events mm. in the fifties. Uh, all right, let's let's roll on to creature mm. feature. Yeah, I struggled with this one a bit. Yeah, I I, I did as well. There's not as much, like it's not one that speaks to me as much. And I'm, I'm sure a long enough conversation, I'll think mm. of things that fit like, Oh yeah, that's definitely in there. But I, I didn't think like vampires would, would vampires I, be. Yeah. Considered? I did for my, for my modern one, I've gone for a vampire film just cause I couldn't think of a recent one that really okay. gripped me, but yeah, it's, it's a very broad church, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, what's yeah? What's your classic? Well, here? I I was thinking like the Alien series, um, but then I was like, is that creature feature? I don't know. So I I actually went with um, an American Werewolf in London, which I didn't like okay. when I first saw it, but I rewatched it recently, and it's bloody great. It's a brilliant film. I uh, see. I need to come back to it because I, I I had mm. that same first reaction. Um. I remember it being on uh, TV in the '90s. It was on yeah. Comedy Central, and they were advertising it all the time. And I'm like, I don't, mm. I don't get this. And then Werewolf in Paris came out, and I'm like, I like the <laughs> Bush song. That's good. Um, and then, and then when I did watch uh, Werewolf in London uh, as an adult, I was like, I, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. It didn't hit me. But I've again listened to podcasts about it. I'm like, maybe I maybe this I'm is wrong. it. I think the first time around I I didn't really appreciate the humor. Because it is very funny. It's a very dark, funny horror. But it's kind of got this yeah. kind of dichotomy going on. Like it's got really gross um graphic special effects. But then on the other yeah. hand, it's it's like I say, it's quite funny at times. Like Yeah, well like his his decomposing <laughs> friend, that's both at the same time. It's quite silly, but Yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, it's it's a weird one, but and it's uh, it's kind of strange for me to pick that because I bloody love Alien, like the the xenomorph in um, in the series. I think is one of the best creature designs of of you know yeah. our time. Really, the is, is is it HR Geiger who designed them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting. Uh, I, I think about different timelines where movies turned out differently because he was going to do the design for dune when jodorowsky was yeah. going to make dune um mm-hmm. that would have been interesting i'm about halfway through the new i've not one. seen it yet uh it's mm. visually i love it um but i've been watching too late at night to maybe yeah. fully engage with it and i keep thinking i want to mm. be in a theater for this because i can barely hear the dialogue if i keep the volume low enough that it's the 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 big sounds don't wake up my kid so but it's and also it's it's beautiful and well designed Mm. and really cool yeah uh, that would have been a very different film i'm I'm sure i heard that salvador dali was interested in it in he was gonna be the emperor in joe daworski yeah that, yeah, that's one that I'd forget. I, I want to say there was a rock star in it too. I can't remember if it was Mick Jagger. Um, that it's a the documentary about that is is great. Just the the ambition of of you know, just not imagining there's a way <laughs> someone could say no once you started. Yeah. Um, yeah that uh, oh, but uh, mm. werewolf. It's, it's an interesting, yeah, I didn't even think about werewolves for, for my creature. Um, honestly, here's, I thought of alien and that was it. I was like, yeah. well, obviously it's alien. Um, because that it, it's funny with the creatures. It's, there's kind of all this crossover because aliens kind of a slasher, but with a creature yeah. instead of a person. Um, it's, it's a lot, it shares a lot with Halloween. Um, uh, and thinking about vampires, though, there's uh, let the right yeah. one in. Yeah, I mean that's that that was my modern pick. Um, I've not seen the remake, but the original is brilliant. Honestly, yeah. the remake's pretty good. I, I I think I enjoyed them about equally. What What's interesting in kind of uh, looking over uh, different movies that that might mm. make my my list here. I, in 2017 on Letterboxd, I had made a top 20 oh, horror okay. films list. And it's it's very interesting 
to look at that and think about how much mm. I hadn't seen at that point. Cause there, there are a lot of things that, that are very much, Oh, I just came off, uh, 2016 where I had attempted to watch 366 movies in 366 <laughs> days. Um, I mean, I, I knew I wasn't going to, to successfully mm. do it, but that was the goal. So I, I was watching a lot of stuff that's on, um, Netflix, just like, Oh, that looks okay. And a couple movies on there that I'm like, well, I don't remember much about that. It must have had a big impact. Um, there's a, a movie called They mm. Look Like People. I don't remember very much. Uh, it's a, like lo-fi indie sort of vibe. Mostly takes place within an apartment building. And I mean, from the title, obviously, yeah. someone's been replaced. And so I loved, I had loved that one. And a movie starring Henry Rollins. I've called seen Never that one, Died. yeah. That one I haven't thought about in, in the years mm. following, but I loved it at the time. Apparently I loved it enough for it to oh, be wow. number 14 or number 18 on my, my top, top 20. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, I, I know yeah. I watched it cause I did the same. Well, not quite the same, but um, like a, an October horror film challenge where you try and watch a film every day. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can't really remember it. It's kind of interesting. My number 10 is Pan's Labyrinth, a movie I don't know if I would still consider horror as much as dark, dark yeah, fantasy. Yeah, I think it's it's more dark fantasy, but the fact that the, I don't even know what it's called, the, the hand-eye monster thing, uh, it regularly oh, yeah. comes up as like... The, the, I think he's yeah, thin man or something But it like regularly that. comes up in lists of like the scariest monsters of cinema you know yeah i i think there's definitely a lot of elements of horror and the horror of the spanish yeah and War. you know it's it's not just the yeah. um is it ophelia the little girl it, um it's it's yeah, it's not right. just the kind of dark fantasy segments that are scary there's some really horrific mm. bits that are set in like real life you know yeah, it's, it's yeah. horror on both sides like where most fantasies, like the fantasy world would be great. And that's her escape from mm. the horrors of real life, but it's not great yeah. there either. Yeah. This is also an interesting list. Cause I've got silence of the lambs way down at number 12. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even think. About I would, and, and again, that, that rides the line of horror. That's more thriller, I guess, but it does come up in a lot of horror. Yeah. And I think it's technically the only real, horror film to have one best picture. Yeah. Best picture. Yeah. Um, oh, for, for a creature would. So here's, here's a movie that I love that mm. I wasn't sure where to put. It's probably paranormal, but the witch. Yeah. Like if vampires are creature are witches creatures, or is there even a witch in this well, movie? Are yeah, they yeah, all yeah. just hallucinating? Hmm. I think I'd be tempted to put so, it under paranormal, but yeah, I th and that's kind of in, in my maybe yeah. notes. That's where I'd put it. I guess it would also be paranormal, wouldn't or it? Or would it be creature? Oh yeah. See, yeah. that's where all these crossovers happen. Honestly, if it's creature, I think it might beat alien. Mm. 
And then there's huge crossover events like Cabin in the Woods, which is a little of everything. I I loved Cabin in the Woods. That kind of disqualifies it from, I did too. I was so happy knowing nothing about Cabin in the Woods. And I got to see it in the theater too. That was, that was really good. Hmm. So, I mean, Um, what this list is missing, that is a good point, is I feel like zombie could be its own category. Um, Sure. I don't know if I have a zombie film that I love. Hmm. I mean, Night of the Living Dead is, I recognize is very good, but I don't hmm. know if I love it. And I, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm prepared to blaspheme here. I didn't like 28 Days Later. Okay. Yeah. It felt hollow. To, and again, I saw it, you know, like three years hmm. ago for the first time. So I missed the first I think at of, the time. Um, yeah. Know, It, 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 it got was, a lot of ad- adulation, adoration. Yeah. Well, apparently they filmed that at like five yeah. in the morning because uh, they couldn't get the permits to actually. It's still impressive. <laughs> yeah. I, I think 28 Days Later still has a place. It's probably in my like top, <laughs> top 50 rather than top 20. But yeah, it was just so different. It was, sure. I think Simon Pegg was, um, talking about it once and he explained you know it's, it it was the first time we saw these like fast zombies um true which yeah. was just we hadn't seen it before so it was it was a new kind of scary it had, mm. had that big impact yeah i guess warm bodies okay. i really liked and it's zombies no. but it's definitely not horror um and Shaun of the Dead, there's there's nothing really yeah. bad you can say about Shaun. Yeah, again, zombie, but is it horror? I think it's more comedy, really, isn't it? Um I mean Evil yeah. Dead is But also Yeah quite violent because Edgar Wright is not going yeah. to be quite violent. <laughs> mm. Ah, Evil Dead Evil Dead, I don't know if that Army of Darkness I would probably say is zombies for sure, but I don't know if the Deadites would be, mm. if I would call them zombies necessarily. Yeah, because I mean, Evil Dead 2 is probably one of my favourite horror films, like top five, but I couldn't figure out where to put it in this list. I I get that. I made the mistake, the first time I watched any of them, I watched all three mm. in, a, in a day. And when you have watched The Evil Dead and The Evil Dead 2, yeah. Army of Darkness is not good. <laughs> I did not. I, I know it's beloved. And I remember being a kid and seeing the trailer for it, having no context for The Evil Dead at all. I was like, yeah, this yeah. movie looks amazing. With the, the stop motion skeletons. Who I doesn't? love the stop Come motion on, skeletons you know. so much. <laughs> yeah, no, I, Evil Dead 2 is definitely the best of the trilogy. I think no one would dispute that. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I feel like I saw a lot of. I watched a lot of really terrible zombie films this Halloween season. Um, Kentucky Fried Zombie that was terrible. Ooh. Uh, Poultry Geist I've seen before, but I watched again. I technically zombies, but kind of you've got an ancient Indian burial ground. You've got toxic chicken, okay. all sorts of stuff. <laughs> it's very silly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. creature, creatures was tough. 
and and as far as vampires i have been watching bram stoker's dracula to fall asleep interesting choice (laughs) it's i've watched the the opening scene of bram stoker's dracula so many times like anytime it comes back on netflix i'm like oh i'll put this on i'll at least watch the the vlad and lizabeth just to see him stab the cross and the cross starts bleeding that's so cool. I don't know if mm. it's good, but it's enjoyable. I enjoy it at, at this point. I remember when I first, I, like I bought, cause I bought it for five bucks at the Walmart cause it was in the $5 bin. <laughs> I was like, I've heard of that. I, yeah. I've seen the Simpsons parody that. Um, and there's just so many, so many choices that mm. are pure style. Like the, the silhouettes in that opening battle scene. I think Keanu Reeves' accent really detracts for me. It really spoils it. But yeah, I. I, But you're right. It's it's just cinematography, cinematographically words. It's beautiful. It's beautiful film. It's really pretty. Um, And the the I mean just the scene with. yeah, brides, yeah, the brides, yeah, or whatever you would call them, where they like coming up out of the bed and then they're, you know, together like uh, the guards at the door in Labyrinth, <laughs> where one always tells the truth. Um, yeah, so that I mean, that's I think honorable mention. I don't, definitely not my my mm. favorite. Certainly not the best, but I I, I definitely hold a, a part for at least the first half yeah. of that movie. I don't remember the last time I actually finished it, but I always, I always like, oh yeah, yeah, let's put that one on. I I feel like the the special effects and the makeup and stuff probably don't stand the test of time. I'd have to watch it again, but I think that there's enough that's mm, simply yeah. unsettling, mm, like the yeah. the shadow stuff. That's so good and obviously mm. practical but in a way that's just a little off-putting, even when it's not very obvious that the shadow is mm. not moving with him. Once they've established that sometimes it doesn't, yeah. they're like, is it? What is yeah. that shadow doing? It's really cool. Um, all right, so we, we came up a little dry mm. on, on creature feature as, a, as a, a heading, but I feel like when we move on now to body horror, that... We've yeah. got kind of a deep well Absolutely. to draw from. So, yeah, go ahead and start with your, so, with your classic there. I, I mean, this was another category that I thought you could probably put Alien in with the, you know, the chest bursting and... Um, oh, sure. Yeah. But I did not do that. Um, I, like, honestly, I think you could put American Werewolf yeah. in Yeah, oh, totally. That transformation well. scene. Because, yeah... Not maybe not every werewolf yeah. movie, but that one for sure really leans on mm. on the pain of the transformation. It's so yeah, and it, so didn't raw. it um, inspire part of th- the thriller video? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because mm. John Landis was involved in Thriller as well, wasn't he? Because yeah. I remember the feature yeah, yeah, yeah. for Thriller being on TV. I think that yeah. was John Landis in there. He either just stopped by the studio or he was, he genuinely directed that. I can't remember. Yeah, I did, I did have a, a John Landis oh, book, but I, I gave it away in my uh, 
horror film quiz that I ran recently as a prize. But there oh, we go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I considered Alien. Um, I thought maybe The Fly. Sounds pretty gruesome. But I mm. ended up going with The Thing from 1982. Awesome. That, that was mm. in, in the running for my creature. Uh, honestly and again it yeah. definitely crosses over really leans heavy on the body i mean obviously that's not cronenberg that's john carpenter um yeah but the 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 effects the physical effects and for a, a movie from 1982 still held up as yeah. the pinnacle really of practical um, absolutely i i kind of wish they did that more these days i feel like there's an over reliance on cgi but yeah, totally. I went to see it. Um, yeah. They they showed it in the cinema a few years ago uh, for Halloween. Oh. Me and my friend went. It's like a midnight showing, and it's it still stands up. That's it's awesome. you know you know it's puppets and and animatronics and stuff, but it's great. It's I, I think remaking it was a terrible idea, but yeah. again, didn't see it because I'm clearly quite stubborn about these things. I, I think I I think I did see that one. Um, I haven't seen, was it, it came from outer space or the thing from outer space, the mm, yeah, yeah, original yeah. I, I've not from seen the fifties. Um, I've not seen that one, but yeah, no, definitely top notch, mm. uh, pick for the thing in, in body horror. Now here, here is where I'm very, very split. Um, honorable mention. Yeah. District wow. Nine, yeah. Um, yeah, I that movie, that was that's one of those movies that's like a revelation. Like I didn't know they could, and maybe part of that's I didn't know they were yeah. making movies in South Africa, but but it it hits real strong. District Nine honorable mention, uh, Reanimator, yeah, yeah. campy, yeah. super weird, wonderful late night one, um, a more modern movie called Oh Teeth. Wow, yeah, I I saw that. That's <laughs> I don't know why I love that so much. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, that was, that was good. And then I was scrolling through Netflix, like on a Saturday morning, just lazy morning, didn't want to get up. And I got to put on, I'm going to rewatch Teeth. I don't know why. So it's so good. Uh, listeners, if you, if you don't know Teeth, it's about a, a young girl. Uh, I, and I guess there's a, a if, it's worth well, saying. No, the, I don't the, think it's ruining the movie. If I remember, she has yes. vagina, vagina it's it's on it's on the DVD cover. It's not a spoiler. It's like the whole concept of the oh, film. Yeah, yeah. It's the draw. Yeah, it's it's charming though. Like I I like her. I think she's a great character. I. She's <laughs> it's, very sympathetic, it was better I than I was expecting it to be. I remember when I watched it. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, absolutely body horror. There's a lot of cringe moments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just like the, the subtle, it's, it's a very subtle kind of nod to mm. why this may have happened. When I watched it the second time, I forgot that they even did anything about that. I was like, oh yeah, mm. they, there, there's that little thing. Um, so th those are my, my honorable mentions. And here's where I'm torn. I, I got it mm. down to The Fly and Hellraiser. Yeah, I mean both because for 
the Hellraiser franchise has been done a disservice, I think, by having mm. 11 total films. It's one of those... So, I, 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 especially listening to a lot of thrash metal this past summer, have, have kind of glommed on to thinking about the idea of a big mm -hmm. four of something. Because I think it started the, the big four of Teutonic thrash metal. It was, it was German bands were the first big four. Because with the American big four, it feels like three strong ones and I guess anthrax. Four anthrax. <laughs> like like uh, in the 90s, the Seattle big four was three powerhouses and I guess Alice in Chains. You're, you're going to upset some Alice in Chains it's, fans so there. <laughs> I sure am. But it's yeah, Soundgarden, yeah. Pearl Jam, and Nirvana. Yeah. And then it's Alice in Chains. There's, so there's is, the, is the big four a myth? There. Should it be a it's triumvirate, like, the top three? Okay. So I like having the straggler in there, honestly. Um, and then I think with mm. mascot horror, if if we'll call it that, it's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween, yeah. Hellraiser, and Hellraiser is yeah. Alice. In I mean, arguably, <laughs> it's like it I, could I be Child's Play, maybe. See, yeah, that's that's the other mm. thing. But I've never, I haven't seen any of those. But yeah, there there is an argument to be made for for the longevity of the the child's play franchise. But the the, the thing about Hellraiser um, is but, it has some amazing moments. But actually, the first film is kind of boring. It's about like a domestic, um, you know, uh, um, it's about a relationship breaking down, and it it takes quite a while to get to the the horror. <laughs> And honestly, that's yeah. that's what I loved about it is because it is so different from the genres it's pushed in with. Like it's so different different from uh, a nightmare mm. or a, a Friday, where it's not a yeah. group of teens. It's this one girl that it's about and her family and the weird stuff going on with it. Um, and it's if I remember right, it's quite short actually. It moves pretty quickly. I felt and the the visuals that you get in that movie are they're mm. they're not they're unexpected like oh i never would have thought to take all of the skin off of a person and have them yeah. walk around comfortably maybe i'm i'm conflating hellraiser 2 because those I, first I, two movies mm. man they they hit me in a way i didn't expect yeah. them to to where I, I need to find a copy of the Hellbound Heart. I, I actually want to read. Yeah, because I, I don't know that much about tape. Clive Barker, but um, I read that when I was putting together my horror quiz. Um, he'd had two films made oh. prior to Hellraiser of his books, and he really wasn't satisfied with them, which is why he ended up directing Hellraiser himself. Um, and that was kind of his entry into being a director. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I just, my memory of Hellraiser 1 is just it being quite boring, actually. I think, you know, you, you start getting into the, huh. the, the mythology of the Cenobites and everything from the second film on, I think. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but the, yeah, the, and the way, I had no mm. expectations for Hellraiser 2. Yeah. Um, 
but it's it does something that that most genre horror doesn't mm. do, which is pick right up. We're still following the same lead from the first film, and she has had, as you expect someone mm. to, a mental break. So we pick up following her in, and I get I guess there it is kind of a strain uh, that the person running the mental hospital where she is is also obsessed with the. Uh, mm. Riddlebox, puzzle box. <laughs> Riddlebox is an ICP album. Also, kind of obsessed with it. But the way they can't kind of continue the story, it's still got her family in it. We yeah. go to actual hell, which is an amazing depiction. Um, so I'm I'm curious to to keep going in the series because I know that there has to be a sharp drop off between Hellbound, Hellraiser two, mm. and Hellraiser three, Hell on Earth. There has to be. Um, and and they keep going and i no uh, it's not paul Rudd. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. in uh, halloween 6 there, there's somebody there's somebody who became famous who's in one of the mm. directed video that that was actually around that i was going to do um, cuz there's so many like a listers who started out as kind of well i mean paul rudd in halloween 6 is kind of a main character isn't he but quite often just tertiary characters yeah. um Nightmare on Elm Street, in, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Be, who, uh, rumor has it, was cast because uh, Wes Craven's daughter thought I mean, he was what, good looking. I mean, what other reason do you need, you know? <laughs> right? Like, she she was pretty influenced. He, he was getting a lot of influence from her because he wanted, like, yeah. some teenage perspective on stuff. And she was like, <laughs> you, you have to cast this one, the broody one. The character was originally, like, a, a blonde football surfer hunk sort of guy <laughs> she's like no this here yeah I, mean, I think that was great that was a great move um so okay mm. so I'm, I'm torn between hellraiser and you've mentioned it the fly because the fly i had been yeah I, again late night channel surfing and i think the sci-fi channel was showing the fly and i was just captivated by and, you know, I didn't stay on it. I was moving back and forth when something else would go to commercial. I'd go back to the fly. I'm like, what? What is happening? It's so, so bonkers. And Jeff Goldblum, I, as, as an adult, I appreciate Jeff Goldblum a lot more because I'm more comfortable witnessing Jeff Goldblum's blatant raw sexuality yeah. on screen because it's, it is present um mm. in that especially in that movie and it's not something that i like as a kid watching movies you don't think a guy who looks like jeff goldblum you know dr ian malcolm from jurassic park can have that sort of sexuality that's reserved for people who win people's yeah. best or sexiest of the year but it's there man totally. that's his whole jam that i was missing out on for a lot of my life yeah. Um, yeah, his performance, weird, like the teeth falling out, the, that's... I Absolutely, mean, that's I was going to say, this is, for me, it's, I mean, aside from Crash, I guess, it's, 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 um, oh yeah, just the crux of, of Cronenberg body horror, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. more accessible than Videodrome. Videodrome's got some some great stuff, but it's it's tough. It's it mm. looks better than the Brood. The Brood is good, but 
but the the polish on the fly it like it looks mainstream hollywood where okay. the brood does look very canadian i don't know that i could define something that looks canadian but uh i i take i take your word for it <laughs> um, yeah it's great and even the fly too which i don't think cronenberg was involved with um no yeah i, I don't think the, it, ju- his, it just but... it's it's just that whole riff of because it's it's son of yeah because uh, you know at the end of the fly, fly right? she gives birth to the the maggot thing oh, you wipe that from oh, your brain i had not <laughs> um yeah, yeah so fly two is son of fly and there's a scene in it wow. um where like he's he's raised in a lab uh and he's got this like golden retriever buddy uh, but they're also experimenting on on that, um, and then there's this like kind of Jim Henson esque puppet of this horrible mutated dog, and obviously you know because oh, no. I'm I'm a sucker for for cute little animals, that absolutely traumatized me when I saw that. You know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, have you yes, seen the Vincent actually, Price I have, one? Um, yeah, it it's amazing mm. the movie that we got out of a. It's, remake I don't of even think Vincent it's a Price remake, movie. really. Like it's it's like the spirit of yeah. It's it's almost like one sentence. Like someone said, is, okay, yeah. there's a science experiment, and the fly gets in the thing, and the guy turns into a monster. That's all they got from that. They didn't even need to watch the first one. That's really true. Like you, someone told you about the first one, and then yeah, you made this movie. That's that's absolutely what it is. It is more connected to to that movie than say, Lawnmower Man is connected to the okay. Stephen King short story Lawnmower Man. Because I I have but I, I've not have read seen the, the story. Man? So in college, I took oh, a wow. Gothic literature class, and we started way back uh, with the Castle of Otranto, from like the 18th century, and moved through. Um, Frankenstein and, and Dracula and uh, Richard Bachman, mm-hmm. Lovecraft Bachman. And then we hit Stephen King and we uh, read some short stories from uh, Night Shift. And I was so, I bought the copy of Night Shift for the class. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited because I had Lawnmower Man in it. And I was like, that's awesome. I, you know, I was a kid and, and I knew no better, but I loved the movie Lawnmower Man. It, is a uh, listener if you haven't seen yeah i didn't want to say that because i felt like you were you were kind of um, leading up to saying that it was one of your favorite films or something <laughs> but yeah it's not great it's not great <laughs> no and uh, if, if it comes <laughs> up honestly feel free let me know but no it, it is true truly bad but it 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 you know was an exciting exploration in 1993 knowing as little as i did about the internet and about virtual reality yeah and the the laughableness but so I was really excited to read the short story that it was definitely based on. Not a computer to be found in the short story. It is uh, about uh, a man. I'm going to spoil the short story here. Uh, is about a man who hires a service to mow his lawn. And the person who shows up to do the mowing is a satyr. And... Uh, Instead of, you know, you expect him to use a lawnmower, 
the guy's in watching a Red Sox game and he looks out the back window and sees the guy has gotten completely naked. And wow. Is okay. The grass. Yeah. Yeah. And based on the title, the lawnmower man. And honestly in the movie, it's, it's, uh, oh, Jeff I don't know. Oh, uh, he's got a Bible name. Job. I think he is. Anyway, he is mentally, uh, mm. undeveloped and drives a lawnmower for a living. So it's not even a good connection to the title. Uh, it, it didn't really need to be there wow. and that's not a good name for the movie except it's i guess impactful yeah you remember the lawnmower man i did it i mean it's it's held up isn't it as as one um, of the examples of where movies just completely get technology wrong like so wrong uh yeah i think hackers is one of the other ones it's like <laughs> yeah oh hackers is quite fun uh for that um with and they lean in with lawnmower man they lean into it in the sequel lawnmower man 2 beyond the portal of time that's not the title but um both i think both of those films were episodes of how did this get made i haven't seen the second one but their 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 episode about it i was like i do i need to see this horrible thing (laughs) is it there i i think that so often do i need to watch this Mm. movie i know will be i mean you know like i was saying there's a time and a place for bad films yeah that's the the voice of a person who has the room in their top four on letterboxd okay (laughs) yeah so so i i I do have an appreciation and and when when you get down to it with a lot of a lot of these bad Mm. troll two for example, you watch Troll 2, and for me at least, you get an appreciation of how difficult <laughs> yeah. it is to make a film. Yeah. The, the, the process involved, the thought you have to put into it, and how many places yeah. you can pull up short. I mean, continuity being so, uh, the, it, quite it, a it, big it, one. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good recap of some some standout subgenres. Oh, I, I, any my, my modern oh, one. Oh, so this is um, I only saw this the other day, so yeah. it's a bit of a stretch to call it a favorite. But um, I just thought, sure, it it really captured the spirit of kind of eighties horror really well. Um, it's called Bad Hair. I think it's on okay. Netflix. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, and I it, it's got an amazing one. cast. Yeah. It's like Vanessa Williams, Lena Waite, uh, Kelly Rowland, Usher is in it. Oh yeah, his. I I would think that's his first uh, horror movie. Wow. Since yeah. The Faculty. Yeah. I mean, I assume so. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's just it's really. Yeah. Since he was yeah. he was the teen end. Of now the he's the. Slasher. Uh, the adult but yeah it's just it's it was really silly but really well done um and it it ticked all the all the tropes really well you know yeah nice yeah that that sounds like it it's there's this new sort ah, i don't know how how i'm trying to describe it but there's like a new sort of modern move with oh you know what kind of falls in the body horror 
uh, category that I didn't even think about is sorry to bother you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. is a weird film. That. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. got that marvelous weirdness. Absolutely. Like that. Yeah, that's one of those like, well, I didn't even know. Because they tell you the premise. Oh, uh, Lakeith Stanfield gets a, a marketing job and, yeah. and uses his white voice to get ahead. That is the that premise. Is but that not is not the not story. The Absolutely. I, I actually. Yeah. That's, that's I heard about that film there. because Tune Yards are on the soundtrack and they're like one of my favorite bands. Um, yeah. And then I, I didn't actually get around to watching it until a bit later. But yeah, what a crazy film. I, you're totally right. That fits into this uh, category for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. So we've got our, our four subgenres. We've picked our top ones. Any any like wild swing at your overall? The, and remember, we will be uh, testing you later. So if you <laughs> answer incorrectly here, you'll receive three demerits. Yeah, I just don't know. It's too hard to pick. I think from my list. Yeah. If I had to choose one, let's say I could never watch any of the others again. Ooh. I think. Okay. I would go for the thing. Mm. Strong, I like that. Um, wow, given that uh, removal of the others from the from the list, that really, yeah, honestly, Alien. That's that's so funny. The 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 category <laughs> we both had the hardest time coming down to something is that's the one true, that we yeah. picked the films from. That's great. Um, oh, I guess you had thing as, as your body horror. Well, it was it was very nearly creature. creature. Yeah, but they're interchangeable, honestly. Yeah. Ah, oh, good. I, I say good horror movie episode. We've yeah, I think we're going to need a bit hours. of editing on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, I I am not sticking to my promise of, of <laughs> compact episodes. Wow. Am I? But, uh, all right. Well, um, yeah. I, okay. Let's uh, go ahead and wrap this up. We'll be back mm-hmm. next week. Air quotes, uh, whatever, whatever that means in the fluid podcast timeline. Uh, we, yeah, next week we will be discussing, um, my first mixtape that I made for Zen. Uh, it is titled 154 minutes spent pondering issues related to nothing at all. Uh, technically it is volume one because I, I revisited it in 2013. Um, Spotify's got the playlist right now. I'll work on getting it up on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, uh, in the meantime, follow us on the socials, IIS pod on Twitter, IIS podcast on Instagram. Um, follow me, uh, play song pop against me. I'm GoatBoy 72 uh, It's also me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, uh, Zen, any, um, anything bro? Anything you watched recently that we haven't oh, discussed wow, today? Yeah. Uh, if I think of anything, I will tweet it uh, at Zen X E N. Um, yeah. All right. Um, so uh, I don't have. I can't find the notebook where I had all my list of uh, podcast catchphrases to sign off with. So we'll just go with the classic WTF. Uh, are we good? Are we good?
Boomer lives.